Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. The first day of school for many people around the country from grade one to grade 12. So we'll have a look at that. Uh, I have heard many of you and uh, what you've been saying about your kids going back to school today. And always, always awesome to hear those little voices as well. Uh, But if you are going to fetch kids today uh, or if anybody's finished early, please send me a voice note. Let me know how it's gone at school with the first day of school today. Have there been issues for you with placements? We did speak to the education MEC in Gauteng, Matome Chilwane yesterday. Um, There are still lots of issues around placements. Uh, In KZN, there have been quite a few issues. Uh, One has been a school that was set alight in what looks like an incident of arson. Also in KZN, schools have closed early because of the weather. So let's get an overview first before we speak to our reporters across the country with Elijah Mkhlan who is the Basic Education Department spokesperson. Elijah, good afternoon to you. Thank you for making time to speak to us today. What is the national picture in terms of the first day of school today? Uh, Good afternoon, Mandy. Thank you so much. Well, the majority of our schools opened and uh, the majority of our learners came to school today. We continue to receive reports. As you know, it's uh, still early in the day, but early indications are showing that uh, schools opened right right across the country today and uh, we will continue to to monitor because we know there are still some issues in some parts of the country. Uh, highlight some of those issues for us. I mentioned a couple of them. Uh, KZN uh, seems to, to, to have some areas of concern. What has come up today? Well, just got some reports that in Gauteng, some parents are closing or threatening to close schools if they don't find what they ask for. So the colleagues in the province are attending to that. Um, that being do you, do you by any chance, Elijah, know which, which schools uh, those are off the top of your head? I know Steve Mabono may be able to help us with that, but are you able to, to give us specific locations? No, there were no names uh, given yet. Uh, what happened was that we're all together with the NEC and the minister in Karankua and some officials had to go back to the office to attend that matter. So we didn't have time to get the names of the schools, but we're just attending to the issue as a whole that parents are not happy with some issues in the schools where their children attend. And other issues across the country? Well, you've already dealt with KZN. Um, That's the major issue because that matter there is beyond our control. There's been persistent rain there, and the province has been on high alert since December when we got uh, information from the weather service that the rains were going to continue into January until schools open, which is today, and we are right there now in that situation where the first day has not gone as well as we thought it would with an early departure having to, to, to take place. So that's the one thing, but we also have issues around admissions, even there in KZN where you still have long queues, Western KB, the same thing, 
and parts of Limpopo as well, particularly in the city in Polokwane, there are parents who are also um, uh, seeking assistance with admissions. But we also know that in the Northern Cape, there was also a high number of um, children that needed to be placed without prior notice. In Gauteng as well, you had the same thing where you had some 21,000 uh, late applications uh, in, in towards the end of the year last year, but most mm. of those were placed. So it's those issues, but the minister did indicate this morning that we give provinces up to 10 days to resolve all these matters because it shouldn't be allowed to go on for much longer than that. Elijah, across the, the board, it seems the big issue is to do with capacity uh, and whether or not there, there are enough spaces for children to attend. Uh, is the government confident that it is doing enough to build new schools? Are you building new schools, making sure that there is sufficient capacity in the country? You know, it's not so much the capacity in the country. It's the capacity in the major cities and the cities that we have around our provinces. Because if you go to some schools in some townships and in some rural areas, you find that those schools are not as full as uh, you, you, you think they are. So if you are in Gauteng and you think what's happening in Gauteng and the cities is what is happening everywhere else, uh, that is the wrong way of looking at it. In most rural areas, you find that teaching and learning happened today because there were no disruptions. The deliveries were made. Teachers turned up Monday to prepare for today and learning would have taken place. In fact, we saw that in some parts of the country. Teaching started last week already. So people have resolved all these matters that the cities are encountering. So we need to decide uh, what we're going to do with the large numbers of people who are coming to the cities from other provinces and those that are coming into the cities from outside South Africa because we are seeing a high number of people that are carrying documents that uh, are indicating that they were not in the schooling system in South Africa a year ago. Right. Elijah, thank you very much. Elijah Mklanga, the Basic Education Department spokesperson, giving us an overview there of what the situation is across the country. And as he as he makes the point there, as we've often heard, is that it's urbanisation. So it's it's the, the, the lack of capacity in urban areas rather than rural areas. Well, let's speak to our reporters across the country now. Uh, Elijah did mention that the Basic Education Minister, Angie Mochecha, and the Education MEC, Matoma Chilwane, and the Gauteng Premier, Panyazala Sufi were in Harankua today. Our reporter, Veronica Mahaudi, was there as well. Veronica, good afternoon to you. Tell us about what the politicians had to say on the first day of school today. Well, good afternoon, Mandy. I can tell you that the politicians were more like principals today, urging pupils to get on with their studies, urging them, of course, to focus um, ahead of the academic year, speaking mainly, of course, in the high school here, uh, high school, uh, of course, to the matric pupils and the grade eight, saying while one is beginning their schooling, well, their high school journey, the other one is exiting, and they're just saying that this is now the time to put your head down. Um, and of course, a very important message coming from the basic education uh, minister, Angie Mochecha, speaking about the stability uh, that the education sector has now seen especially in regards to this cohort of students, the 2023, um, you know, class the 2024, rather, um, academic year, saying that, of course, um, if you'd notice, Mandy, that the matric pupils are those that started in grade eight when we were, of course, in the crutches of the COVID-19 pandemic. She's, of course, spoken about the importance of the stability of the academic year. Um, but, of course, as well, Mandy, speaking to the spokesperson, the issues of claimants, 
of placements rather, she said that uh, this is not just a housing issue, but it is a countrywide issue. And really just asking for patience on day one um, and that they will give the country more details in regards to some of the issues that parents may have faced today. Let's have a listen. Day one is a bit difficult. It's really difficult to have a sense of anything. I'm only going to get returns from today. The only area I know that difficult is it's KZN. But I really want to apologize. We're not able to give a full report on day one. But day 10 Thanks to Veronica Mahadi, who is in Kharankua with the Basic Education Minister at the MEC and the Premier were there today. Let's go to Relebogile Secondary School in Coltonville now, where we find Alpha Ramoshwana, where a massive sinkhole swallowed parts of the school at the beginning of last year. What's happened since? Alpha joining us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Alpha. What's the situation there at the Relebogile Secondary School? Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, here at the Relebogile Secondary School in Carltonville, you know, seems to be business as normal as, uh, you know, some of the learners seem to have forgotten that a massive sinkhole uh, engulfed or swallowed parts of the school uh, last year in February. Three months after that sinkhole, the Department of Education built uh, a number of mobile classes on a separate location opposite uh, the school. And that's where they've been attending classes, classes since then. But of course, some parents of these learners are, are very fearful that, you know, uh, the Mirafung local municipality is very prone to sinkholes and they fear that another sinkhole will form while their children are at school and of course this uh, is, is a big safety concern for those parents but they do say that uh, you know despite this sinkhole despite the possibility of other ones forming in, in the near future they have no choice but to uh, allow their children to study there because of course uh, they say it's the best school in the area and of course uh, uh, it's you know a school that they don't need to pay for on a month-to-month basis so uh, other parents basically don't have uh, um, a choice but to let the learners uh, continue to do their studies there. But of course we also visited uh, the Housing Education Department district offices today where you know a number of uh, parents are queuing with their children today uh, begging the department, pleading with the department to place their children and of course uh, you know they've been told to wait for 10 days of which the parents have expressed that they don't have that patience and they don't have time. Let's take a listen to what this parent had to say. I got the hope because what I'm telling myself that it must be always have hope, even if there's no hope, but you must have that thing in you so that you can proceed with anything. And I'm a delay. Do you know why uh, there were delays uh, for him to get placed? I don't know what is the delay because I ex- I applied the first time when the application is open for the grade eight. I applied the same day. Alpha, you can hear there that, that the parents have to resort to, to hope in a situation like this. The MEC made it clear to us yesterday that this is on the parents, that either they didn't do the applications properly or they just don't like the, the school that has been allocated to them. Is that the sense that you get from uh, the parents that you spoke to today? I spoke to a number of parents and two of them uh, have told me that they actually uh, applied uh, way back uh, in the first weeks of uh, the online application portal being opened uh, last year and they've been waiting to get placement uh, ever since. In fact, one of the parents said, you know, on the website it's been pending ever since and there's been no change uh, since she applied uh, when the portal opened. But I spoke to another parent who, when I also looked at her document, her daughter has been placed uh, I think it's the Tato Hong Secondary Junior Secondary School in Soweto. Her child has been placed there. However, 
the school principal is refusing to allow her uh, to school there. The school principal is saying that the school has already accepted uh, 350 children. It only has a capacity of about 250. So at the moment, it can't afford to allow or, or, or place uh, other children at that school. So she's having a problem with a school principal who's saying, we are not going to allow your child into a school, even though they've been placed because we've already accepted uh, way too many children. Alpha, thank you very much. Alpha Ramashwana, our reporter who is at the Relibokile Secondary School in Carltonville, also at the district office, speaking to parents there. Uh, as we've mentioned, there are big issues with placements. So let us know how that's going for you. Well, that's the situation in Gauteng. Let's go to the Western Cape now. And uh, it is unusual for both the Western Cape uh, or coastal schools, at least, to start on the same day as inland schools. We do have that today. So it's the first day of the 2024 school year for le- learners nationwide at the Westcott Primary in Deep River, the Premier and the Western Cape Education MEC have been giving an update on the state of readiness there. Ntutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter, has been with them at the Westcott Primary School. Ntutuzelo, what has the Premier and the MEC been saying in the Western Cape? Um, good afternoon, Mandy. Um, there was a lot of excitement, first of all, um, at the Westcott Primary School uh, as kids were being dropped off by their parents. Uh, for the first day of school of 2024, um, the Western Cape Education Department saying that about 1.2 million learners returned to school in the province today. Um, as you have mentioned, that um, MEC David Mania and the Premier Ellen Windy welcomed those pupils as they headed back to their classrooms. The MEC is saying that even though 98% of grade 1 and grade 8 learners have been placed at schools across the province, they are still experiencing some challenges. Many are saying, despite, saying that um, despite the 700 million rand budget shortfall this year, they've pulled out all the stops to deal with a number of learners who have not been placed yet. Um, he further saying that they are in the process of placing about 2,600 learners um, whose applications in the most part were late and that there's also about 609 extremely late applications for grade one and grade eight, which they only received after New Year's Day. Um, Some of the parents have um, shared their frustrations at being sent to district offices, which are far away from where they live, to sort out the issue of placement for their children. And when we asked the MEC about this, uh, this is what he had to say. The principal admission pressure is not really in the rural districts. It's much more confined to the the metro districts. But I do understand that some parents might struggle to get to to district offices. As an alternative, if they are not able to get to the district offices, of course, they could also uh, go to the local school for assistance. And of course, that school may well be able to assist in liaising with both the circuit manager and the district in order to resolve whatever problem those parents might have. As we've been hearing there, and as we've heard from our reporters in Gauteng, there is always an issue with capacity in in, in urban areas. Um, so that's urbanisation. Uh, in um, the, the Western Cape, you see movement from the Eastern Cape uh, schools into, into the Western Cape with learners or students, whatever you want to call them. Uh, what is the, the MEC or the Premier saying in terms of capacity, new schools, as you mentioned, budget issues as well? Uh, Mandy, they're saying that in the coming weeks, um, as you know, as, as you have just mentioned, uh, they are anticipating a lot more 
children to come to the Western Cape um, seeking for for a school. Um, they're saying that, you know, with the budget constraints, they've managed to, um, to build uh, 10 more schools, 10 more new schools, um, you know, just to to alleviate some of the pressure from, you know, uh, from their schools across the province. So they're saying that, you know, with the budget cuts in place, uh, they've managed to at least, um, you know, maneuver some things around to, to, to make sure that some of this, this pressure is alleviated uh, um, from, you know, uh, and kids right. are able to, to, to be placed at this new school. Ntutuzelo, thank you. Ntutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter at the Westcott Primary School in Deep River uh, in Cape Town, where the MEC and the Premier have been speaking there. And let's take another look at the situation in Cape Town now, because many, uh, many kids going back to school today amidst a flare-up of gang violence on the Cape Flats, where seven people have been shot dead in the past two days. Carlo Peterson is looking at that for us. He's at the Manenberg Secondary School. Carlo, good afternoon to you. What is the the atmosphere, the climate like in Manenberg, and what are the the children and the parents saying to you there? Good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, so um, the kids are quite excited to be back at school. Um, there is a, a, a it's quite quiet in Manenberg at the moment, um, but uh, there are safety concerns, you know, related to that gang gang violence. Um, those incidents happened in Hanover Park, which is quite close to Manenberg. And, you know, sometimes we see, quite often we see a spillover of, the, of, of those uh, uh, incidents, um, you know, coming into other areas. Um, Mannenberg is a gang hotspot. Um, but like I say for now, um, it's, it's quite quiet here. We did speak to the principal. Um, he said that he has quite close relationships with the gang leaders in the area um, who often help um, the school. To, to, to ensure the safety of learners. Um, we did speak to, to one of the learners um, at the school. Um, her name is Shanika Hendricks, and she had this to say. Because of the danger zone we live in and where our school is situated, I feel that we are still safe at school because our school always allows protection whenever there is danger outside of the school. So we do feel safe at school. So, Carlo, what are some of the practical steps that the school then has to take to ensure that that the kids going to school in Manenberg are safe? Well, right now I'm 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 sitting in the the parking lot of the school, um, and um, the, the, the there's at the entrance there's a a, a gate, um, and then as you as you come in there's another gate, um, and um, which leads into the parking lot. So both those gates are now locked. Um, the school is basically um, locked down. Um, I don't think anybody would be able to get in here unless they jump over the fence. Um, and um, so, so, so when, when these flare-ups of, of gang violence, um, what the, the principal said was because of his close relationships he has with these gang leaders, um, he ensures that the, the violence stays away from the school. Um, and um, as far as, as, as he says, um, the, those gang leaders listen to him um, right. and, and make sure that 
You know, uh, none of the kids are affected by by, by that violence. Mm. Carlo, thank you very much. Uh, Carlo Peterson, EWN reporter at the Menenberg Secondary School, highlighting the experience of those children going to school amidst uh, gang violence on the Cape Flat, seven people being shot dead in just the past two days. So different perspectives there from across the country. As I mentioned, also KwaZulu-Natal has uh, quite a number of issues. What we've seen there is the um, the education MEC sending out communication to schools saying they must close early because of the weather and uh, one school also being affected by arson. So the KZN Department of Education uh, sending out that memo. Let's have a listen to the spokesperson, Muzi Makhlambi. The head of department for uh, Department of Education in Guaznatal has issued a circular to all the schools uh, to close early today uh, due to the uh, weather warnings that we have received from uh, uh, weather services. This uh, he uh, uh, directs so that uh, all our teachers and learners could be safe. So that's the situation in a KwaZulu-Natal where schools have had to close early on the first day of school because of the weather. And uh, we'll have a look at that as well. There are calls for KZN to be declared a disaster area in light of the flooding. So that's an overview of what the the first day of school looks like across the country. We've uh, got reporters in Gauteng, in KZN, in Cape Town, giving you a sense of what's happening. But we also want you to be our reporters and let us know if you've had any experiences that are uh, problematic at all. And then, of course, we are gearing up to the release of the metric results later in the week. So we'll speak to SADAG, that's the Depression and Anxiety Group, about uh, how to deal with all of that if you're at the other end of the spectrum. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Good morning, Mandy. You know, Gauteng, the issues about schools is the same for the past 20 years. Do you have a new solution? No. Do we always talk about the issues? Yes. And, you know, I don't know. Why do you identify issues without solutions? Why can't we come up with solutions? We know there's going to be oversubscription in terms of schools, but we never, we are never prepared. We never come up with solutions to say, how can we do things differently? to attend to these issues. Same, same issues. It's not new issues. If it was new issues, I would understand. But same issues? Nah. Thanks, man. You may have been listening yesterday. I was joking that we could just record the show today and then replay it next year because it's always the same issues every single year with the first day of school. It's always oversubscription. And and maybe we need to look at how we can rethink um, education in the country. You look at the Pearls report around reading, which came out last year, which shows how, how fragile our education system is. Clearly, we are doing things wrong. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Good day, uh, Mandy. It's Norman in Pretoria. I think that uh, this uh, online system, I think it's a problem. For the fact that uh, we are hearing reports that nearly over 21,000 students or learners have not been placed, it speaks a lot about that system. I think that system needs a serious overhaul because if a, a system is online and so many learners are yet are still not yet placed and the minister in Jumotseha is seeking 10 days. I mean, something it must be looking into this system. Parents are complaining and it's a yearly issue. I think uh, this system must be uh, receive a, a serious overhaul. Thank you so much.
You know, it just did receive a serious overhaul. And I remember as a, as a reporter at EWN speaking and doing a, an expose um, with a woman who believed that the idea was stolen from her around uh, the website. And there have been perpetual issues with it. Uh, although the department is convinced that it, it, it works effectively and they are confident in, in how it works. Um, I think the issue really is around... Uh, how many people there are and how there's just not enough availability. Uh, Burned on the WhatsApp line says there's been a census just last year, but they still don't know how many kids will start school this year. The same applies to water and electricity requirements. I think it's very much a case of just better planning, strategy, uh, ingenuity, coming up with better solutions to the problems that are perpetual. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. So on the one hand, you have first day of school. On the other hand, we are gearing up to the release of matric results, uh, which is happening tomorrow into Friday. And SADAG, the Depression and Anxiety Group, is hosting a series of webinars to just give people advice, uh, matriculants, parents, how to cope with unexpected results. Roshni Sita is the SADAG School Outreach Coordinator joining us now. Roshni, good afternoon to you. Uh, firstly, why have you decided to to set up these, these panels? Uh, what kind kinds of issues are you anticipating? Hi, Mandy. Thank you for having us. So the reason we decided to set this up is that we've engaged in a very long process of school talks last year. We did a big project and we find that a lot of children are nervous, overwhelmed, anxious, some are excited about receiving these final results. Those that are excited just want the wait to be over. But for a lot of not only matriculants, but also for the the parents, we're finding that a lot of them are not sure how they are going to deal with receiving the results that they've not expected. And so we would like to just engage in a whole conversation with parents, with students, and talk to them about the fact that this is just one part of your journey and one chapter in your life. And there's so many other things that you can do should your results not be what you have expected. If people do want to, um, to to tune in to one of these webinars, how can they find out more and where can they go? So all of the information is on our website, www.sadag.org. But I can just tell you very briefly, we are live on Facebook today at 6 p.m. And we'll be doing a parent's guide to navigating the metric results. Tomorrow at 1 p.m. we will be live on Instagram um, dealing with the metric results and then on Friday, we will be live on TikTok at 1 p.m. and 6 p.m. on what to do next after you receive your matric results and how to cope. We know that mental health is a, is a huge issue, depression and anxiety around matric results as well. But it does feel like we have come a long way in terms of actually speaking about this, Roshni. Uh, what, what is your, your, your hope for the fact that, that in some instances people are not speaking about this and, and how you hope to make them more aware? Look, we are very fortunate that the stigma around mental health is being broken down gradually. Um, Years ago, you couldn't even talk about being depressed or having anxiety. And now there are schools that accommodate children who may have exam anxiety. So we are quite fortunate that that's happening, but we still need to open those lines of of communication with our kids, with our parents, with the teachers. We need our kids to understand, and we need everyone as a community to understand that mental illness is just that. It's an illness. It's like cancer. It's like diabetes. And with the right sort of help, you can get, with the right sort of treatment, you can get help. And so trying to break that stigma down 
is is what we as the South African Depression and Anxiety Group endeavor to do every day. But if you are still struggling to understand the anxiety or the depression that anybody may be feeling, your child or yourself, call one of the counselors at SEDEC. We are available 24 hours on 0800-567-567. It is just something that we do have to keep talking about. And, and there is hope that eventually everyone will see mental health not as something to be ashamed of, but something that you actually can get help for. Roshni, thank you very much. Uh, Roshni Sita is the SEDEG School Outreach Coordinator. So if you are the parent of a matriculant or you are a matriculant, uh, you can tune into one of those webinars ahead of the release of the metric results and you can find them on their various social media platforms. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. Well, let's change tack away from education now. There's lots of other things happening in the country today as well. The Usindiso Marshalltown fire inquest has resumed. So let's get the latest on that with uh, Gloria Motswere, EWN reporter, who's in our Joburg studio. Gloria, good afternoon to you. Just remind us, where are we in this inquiry for people that haven't necessarily been following? Good afternoon, Mandy. So there's still testimonies that are coming in from people that responded to the fire. And today, um, one of the firefighters, his name is Wyand Engelbrecht. He's actually a firefighter that's been in the field for about 50 years now. And he's basically explaining and breaking down some of the things that went wrong and some of the things that are going wrong in the get in the grand scheme of things when it comes to fire safety in the city specifically. And he was talking about the fact that Unfortunately, fire safety is not a priority. It's not just the city of Johannesburg. It's a lot of cities across the city. They have all of these things in their bylaws and how to respond to fire emergencies, but they are never really applied when situations like that happened. He was talking about the fact that there's a shortage of fire engines, and that is a big, big challenge because if there's supposed to be about 70 fire engines, but he was saying that um, at the time of the response to the fire, there was about three to five fire engines in the city which is not adequate because if there's another fire that's breaking out somewhere else then it puts everybody in a bit of a difficult situation and so um, the firefighter Wyand Engelbracht was actually explaining the situation around that The condition of that building was not unlike that of hundreds other such similar buildings in the city and or elsewhere in the country It is not limited to Johannesburg The profile is one of general neglect with total disregard for fire safety and thus for the preservation of life. That's what it is, what is meant by the term life safety. It is clear both privately owned and public sector owned structures are far too often left to deteriorate to the point of no return. Life safety is not a priority in this country, not even by a long shot. Sure, general neglect Life safety is not a priority. It's really, really frightening to hear someone who has worked in this industry for a long period of time articulating what we all knew, and we've all known for a long time, that fire safety is not a priority, that fire engines are not necessarily working properly, that there's a shortage, that buildings are not properly um, properly regulated as well. Uh, and I imagine we'll hear more of the same. And the intention really from the, these hearings, right, is to find out what happened, but also what the solutions could be. Definitely, Mandy. So the intention is exactly why they're bringing in people that have expertise like that to actually have an idea of what happened and what can be changed. And the one thing that he was saying is that 
we have these things in our bylaws so why are they not being enforced so he was basically saying that it's a matter of just making sure that the bylaws are being followed and just prioritizing prioritizing fire safety at the end of the day because this is not just a situation that could happen in an abandoned building but it could happen in other buildings as well because they're not being properly taken care of Gloria thank you very much uh, Gloria Matsukwere EWN reporter with uh, a report there on the Usindiso Marshalltown fire inquest and we are hearing uh, in a way what we always knew what we've always been told but yet nothing seems to be done about it now you have a situation where dozens of people died in this fire and we need to learn from this experience and we can't have a situation where there is general neglect where there is no care for emergency life support uh, where fire uh, measures are just not in place in not just one building as as he was saying the firemen there but in various many buildings not just in Johannesburg but in other cities too WhatsApp Mandy on 072-702-1702 Mandy that that excuse was that all it is from Hugo Bruce that they couldn't cope with the height of Mali is absolutely insulting and really uh, the man has been in charge for I think two years and if he doesn't have a plan to combat big centre-backs like the Malians had last night then I really don't know um, it really is just to me no surprise and any and I just can't understand the way they play and um, one expects better from them and especially from the coach it is very very poor Stephen Mandy what is happening um, yeah I must say good up to the Western Cape Education Department for trying their best out of school this morning and uh, there are lines of parents who have even, even applied for their kids anywhere wanting to try to get their kid in the school and getting upset about the fact that their kid wasn't placed yet they didn't even apply and they moved from wherever and i'm like what must the school do and like the classrooms are packed to capacity it is crazy so like head off to all the principals and hod's and the prince like and the department for for doing the utmost best um i think parents need to do their job and actually apply early i mean february i think things close they got now dude now don't wait till next year Thank you for bringing the energy to that voice note. Uh, I love that energy. Thank you. First day of school stuff going on there. And be our reporters out there. Tell us what's happening, what you've been seeing. So thanks for that. And and as we always hear, the issues around capacity, classrooms, packed capacity, uh, particularly in urban areas. How do we solve those problems? And Steve, listen, I, I think that we need to talk about Profano. We'll talk about Profano in, in a couple of minutes. I'm sorry to do this to you, but I think that uh, we do need some explanations around that missed penalty, but also how we dealt with the height of Mali. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Hi, Mandy. It's Daisy. Mandy, I'm telling you next year it will be the same issue with the placement of kids in schools. And our government knows that there is a shortage of schools. They know very well they should be building, they are talking about it, they talked about it. Next year they will be talking about it. They are not doing, they are not uh, a building. They just talk, they just tell you, yes, we, we, we need to build new schools, more schools, but they are not. Next year you will still be interviewing them about this very same issue. 
that's our government. This is the point I keep making, right? Is that we just record today's show and replay it next year and it'll be fine. I do see Panyaz and Sufi occasionally um, and Matova Chiluane sharing on social media uh, pictures of a new school that's been opened in Gauteng or going to the opening of, of a new school, but it's just not sufficient and it's also not in the right areas necessarily because we, we have this perennial problem of capacity in urban areas and parents not wanting their schools to, uh, we got a voice note yesterday t- uh, saying uh, not to a township school, um, and this is the, the concern of parents is that they do not want their children to go to schools that are allocated to them. And this is going to be a perennial problem. We're going to talk about it for perpetuity if we don't solve the actual problem. How do we solve the problem? Maybe we need new leadership. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. I did tell you that in KwaZulu-Natal, schools closed early today because of concerns around weather. Well, in Gauteng, residents are also being warned to brace for disruptive rainfall and severe thunderstorms. So let's get the latest on that with Sikhled Lamini, SA Weather Service forecaster. Sikhled, good afternoon to you. Uh, let's start in, um, in Gauteng. What are the warnings for people around bad weather? Yes, um, good day uh, and good day to the listeners. Um, uh, over Houting today, we are expecting uh, 80% chances uh, of showers and thunder showers uh, over, all over the Houting. And uh, when it comes to the warnings, we are having a, a low le- yellow level 2 warning, which is a disruptive rainfall that is leading to localized flooding of susceptible formal and uh, or informal settlement, as well as the low-lying roads and bridges is expecting is expected over the western and south interior of um, uh, of 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 um, of uh, of, of uh, Houteng. And in terms of KwaZulu Natal, uh, where there have been floods uh, recently, uh, also concerns yeah. about continued rainfall. What can we expect there? Yes, uh, we are expecting uh, 80% as well for today of showers and thunder showers over over Wazulu Natal. Uh, however, uh, we have uh, quite a, 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 we have a high level um, uh, over uh, mostly along the coast of um, KZN, covering some parts of Ulundi, uh, uh, as well as uh, Teben, extending all the way to Teben as well, uh, and also up the up to us uh, about uh, Kosi Bay. Um, uh, of, of disruptive rainfall, that which may also lead to widespread flooding of uh, roads uh, and segments and damage to mud-built houses as well as the displacement, displacement of uh, communities and threat to life uh, over those areas. And then um, o- uh, over the interior, um, all the way up to Newcastle, uh, Ladysmith as well is also included over those areas. Um, uh, we are expecting uh, the same uh, yellow level two um, of disruptive rainfall that is uh, that is leading to localized flooding of susceptible susceptible uh, formal uh, or informal segment as well as the low-lying roads and uh, bridges right. uh, over over that area. Sikhle, thank you very much. Sikhle Lamini, SA Weather Service forecaster, just explaining what we can expect in Gauteng, uh, where there have been warnings about uh, heavy rainfall, and then also in KwaZulu Natal, there calls for that province to be declared a disaster schools also being uh, closed early today because of weather conditions 702 the midday report with mandy wiener let's walk the talk so did you watch Bafana Bafana last night? Did you do that to yourself? Do you still hold out hope? We have been trying to get people patriotic and enthusiastic about our chances in the African Cup of Nations. But unfortunately, I did see uh, the sentiment 
the zeitgeist uh, nationally last night, turning uh, after that missed penalty by Percy Tau, and then of course that 2-0 uh, scoreline as well. Well, let's unpack that with Delmain Favor, who's a soccer Laduma writer. Delmain, thank you very much for your time. Of course, there's been lots of commentary from fans. Uh, Hugo Bruch making comments about sure it was the the missed penalty, but also the physical power of. Mali, which surely we would have expected anyway going into this match. Mandy, if we had taken half of our chances, we'd never be speaking about the physicality of the Mali team. I think I think all of these factors only came into play after we realized that we weren't at our, at our best. If, we, if we're being completely honest, the Malian team were better than our team in almost every aspect. I think the only, the only areas where we were better than them, number one, was in our possession because we had 55%. And number two, we had about 80 more passes than them. In terms of being effective, they had more shots at goal than us. They had more shots on target than us. And yes, we speak about the missed penalty, but that's just one of the phases of the game. Um, there's, there's other chances that happen and there's other factors that went into the game. The fact that to begin with, the penalty was supposed to be taken by Tebuka Mukwena and, and Percy Tau goes and then takes yeah, over that duty from him. What, what was the dynamic there? So the coach, the coach alluded to the fact that there's three penalty takers, Mudiva, Percy Tau and Tebuka Mukwena. So my thinking is, and even for an amateur player like myself, um, the thing is, when the player takes the ball, Mandy, it says to me that he's confident and he knows that he's going to score. He's taking the responsibility upon himself. And that, for me, is what Tebuka Mukwena d- did. So when someone else comes and they take the ball away from you after you've already said that I'll take the responsibility, it's a, it's a very blow, it's a big blow in confidence. And on the other hand, if you are coming to take the ball from someone, score. At least, the least you can do as the vice captain of the team is to put us ahead in the game, give us the confidence we need, and score. Yes, it happens to the best where we must, but in such a crucial moment, if you aren't 100% confident, don't go and take the ball away from someone who is. Yeah, sure. Ask Harry Kane. How much are we missing uh, Lyle Foster when it comes to converting all of those opportunities that we had? I'd say yes and no. Are we missing him? Perhaps because he brings a different dimension. Lyle is so strong. We played against a very physical Mali side yesterday where perhaps Lyle would have been best suited but Evidence Mahopa, to his credit, did extremely well, and that's why we didn't really miss him. Evidence played well off the shoulder, held the ball up well, and he made the runs. I mean, the penalty that came, man, he came because of Evidence Mahopa. So that says to you that he's had a brilliant game, and you can see why Hugo Bruce trusts him the way he does. Um, I don't think that had Lyle been on the pitch, he would have scored because the opportunities that needed to be created came from the other players, not so much from the strikers. So... Lyle would have probably been in a similar situation to evidence where the supply wasn't coming when it's supposed to and the result would have probably been the same. Domain, what's our, our path now? We know that other teams have won big tournaments uh, after losing the first match. Spain uh, won in 2010. Argentina won in the last World Cup. What is the, the path for Bafana Bafana now? What all of those teams have done, Mandy, after losing a game is winning the next game. I think, I think that's the most important thing for us, um, to be able to bounce back. I don't know if, if, if we do have that ability, especially because we're playing against Namibia 
you look at it, we haven't beaten them in, the, in our last two occasions. They, they come, they're fresh of beating Tunisia. So if you ask me who, the, who the, the confident team is going into the clash, you have to lean towards um, the Namibians. I mean, a lot of the players play in our PSL. A lot of the players know um, the South African players so well. And we, we tend to struggle against them. So if we want to replicate the feats of, of, of an Argentina, of a Spain, um, the, the next game is so crucial. Winning the next game is so crucial. That's, that's so vital for us. And I think that's the biggest challenge um, for Hugo Bruce and his team at the moment. And Namibia beating Tunisia was a massive upset yesterday. What do you think the, the factor was, was there? What can we learn from them? Belief. Um, if there's anything we've seen in this tournament, there's no underdog. Um, Tunisia ranked third. In, in Africa at the moment, playing against Namibia, who on the periphery, if we're being completely honest. But on the football field, um, all coaches will tell you that we are 11 against 11. If we want it more than them, regardless of how they look on paper, regardless of the big superstars that they have on, in the Arsenal, if we want it more than them on the day and show it and put in the performance to back it up, then, then we deserve to win. And I think... I wouldn't be lying if I say that Namibia deserves to win, and perhaps even more than the one now. Um, also happy for Dion Otto, Orlando Pirates star, who was playing in a slightly different role, and, and he got the crucial winning goal, so well-deserved. Domain, thank you so much. Uh, Domain Fava, Soccer Laduma writer, speaking to us there. And I think that this message from uh, Shoeb on the WhatsApp line uh, really sums it up. Bafana Bafana results are a reflection of SAFA mismanagement and no grassroots development because of mismanagement and corruption. It's a disgrace. We should be the best in Africa with all of our resources and funds. The Midday Report. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, good luck with the school pickup today. First day back at school.